G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I can look back over the course of my life and realize that I am thankful that there are some prayers God said no to. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear the second part of The Big Ask. Pastor Jeff reminds us that God delights in giving to every one of his children. We can trust that when we ask God for things, we'll receive them or He'll give us more than we could have hoped for or even imagined. When you go to God, you ask for what you know. Don't bring to God what ought to be and you bring what is in you. So you bring your request, but there's an underlying thing underneath that says this, you're trustworthy God. And even though this is what I want, I know you're gonna give me the best. is today with Jeff Vines and part two of The Big Ask. You got no idea the impact prayers have had on your life because you would only know if something bad happened. There are many of you whose lives have turned out differently because of a grandmother or a grandfather or a spiritual mentor. You have no idea which way your life would have gone. Please listen to what Paul says in Romans 8 in the context of prayer. He says in verse 26, likewise, The Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Please listen. This is the line you have to get. Paul is saying when you pray, the Spirit, even though you don't know what to pray for or how to put it into words, he takes the core prayer that you've prayed And he asked the father to give you what you would have asked for had you known everything that God knows. Do you understand? You pray the burden of your heart. He takes that core prayer and puts it into words to the father. The words you would have prayed had you known everything that God knew. For instance, I want to tell you, I can look back over the course of my life and realize that I am thankful that there are some prayers God said no to. My life would have turned out completely differently. So would yours. For instance, I once prayed that God would help me like a girl. True story in high school. Remember I told you last week that I really had no interest in women until I met my wife. And that's not just a romantic story. It's just reality. But I dated a girl for four years all through high school. But I really didn't like her. (laughs) Stay with me. Let me explain it. Remember, then you have to forgive. I'm a different man now. But back then... Girls were kind of a a necessary evil to some degree because you you still wanted to have a date in high school and you wanted to be seen as having a girlfriend. It was very uncool not to have one. And she was very beautiful, but I just didn't like her that much. But, you know, it was good to have. She was convenient. And so I stayed with her. Also, they were very wealthy and her father had a, a red Corvette and he would lend that to me every time I took his daughter out. And I liked driving the red Corvette and... And uh, they, they would take me on vacations to Myrtle Beach, and I like Myrtle Beach. 
So I kind of got the best of both worlds. Now, I know it was wrong. I got that. But I, give me a break. I was 16, 17 years old. I mean, how mature can you be? And so, well, I know you can be, but I wasn't. There you go. So, so I prayed. You know, I started thinking, man, this guy offered me a job at Eastman Kodak. Her father was going to get me a job at Eastman Kodak in Kingsport, which means I would have made good money and had a good future. And so I thought, wow, God, help me learn to like this girl. There's too many advantages. Now, I look back now, and had God done that, I probably wouldn't be right here right now. And also, I would have never met Robin, uh, the girl of my dreams, who would never, ever need Nutrisystem for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> and uh, can, can you tell I'm still in the doghouse? Can you tell? Uh, you got no idea, man. I'm sleeping under the doghouse. And so, so I think of that. I, I, think of, uh, I think of the fact that she's been divorced four times now. Not that, that, not that that is a slam on her, just the fact that she's had trouble in relationships. And I think about how my life would have ended up. Folks, uh, when we were at Savannah and I was the teaching pastor there, there was a church up in uh, Indianapolis. Actually, it was in Evansville, Indiana. There was a church that sent Robin and me a DVD and it, and it was a, a whole vision DVD. And it said on the cover, we believe God has called you to be our senior pastor. So I thought, wow, okay, well, if God's called, I better go up there and check it out. And I went up to this place in Evansville, Indiana, and my eyes just lit up. They had the, the biggest church building I'd ever seen in my life. They had property everywhere. It was a university town with all these kids, and I'm thinking, man, God is truly calling me here. But I knew there's no way Robin was going to go for it because it's minus 10 degrees there in the winter. So I prayed, God, change my wife's heart. And I got back and I told my wife about this, showed her the DVD, and she said, I tell you what, you go and me and the kids will stay behind. <laughs> now that's a humorous story, but the reality is, think about it. I, I, I didn't belong there. This is where I belong, right? This is where I belong. And so, so I'm thinking, what if, I had, what if God had answered my prayer? Then God would have done what? I wouldn't be here and I'd be freezing to death in the wintertime. <laughs> so I could go on and on. That, yeah, there, there are so many examples of this. I make my request trusting God to give me the best. That's the point of the parable. I make my request and I ask God to give me his best. See, that's the point of the story. What stands out in the parable is the thing that gives you the truest lesson. And what stands out is when the neighbor goes to his neighbor, he only asks for three loaves of bread. He asks for the basics, but he's expecting a feast. When you go to God, you ask for what you know. C.S. Lewis says, don't bring to God what ought to be, and you bring what is in you. So you bring your request, but there's an underlying thing underneath that says this. You're trustworthy, God. And even though this is what I want, I know you're going to give me the best. Now, here's the problem. And this is where I struggled when I was younger because I thought, well, that's all well and good, preacher, but you're missing out on a lot of things. For instance, how could it possibly be the best that my mother died? I don't understand how it could be God's best that my mom died. And do you know why that is? Because I'm not God. And I can promise you this, it was best for her because she went to be with Jesus. See, that's why God can always recover from any human event because he who gave life once can give it again. And according to the Bible, the life you received the second time is far greater than the life you had before. Amen. Without the resurrection, we're to be pitied. We're pathetic people. But with the resurrection, God always recovers. So you pray and you trust. But there's something else. As you pray, either one or two things are going to happen. One, God's going to look down at you. This is, this, I love this. You cannot get around it. The Bible says your prayers impact history. It 
impacts the future. This is not a charade. The only God that you can pray to says, you know what? And like we said, it doesn't mean that God's going to change his plan as far as the destination. It might mean that God changes the road to get there. When you pray, God, if there's another way we can do this, Jesus did, but there wasn't another way. But when you pray it, maybe there is. God can still get you to the same destination, but your prayers motivate him. Your prayers, because he has the heart of a father. And who knows that your prayers will change the direction. You may get to the same destination, but God will say, you know, I'm looking down and I hear your heart, man. I hear your prayers. You've been persistent. Here, Jeff, I'm going to grant you this request and I'm still going to get you to where I want you to be. That's the beauty of prayer. So you keep praying because who knows that you may receive. And second, if you don't, what happens in the course of your journey of prayer is that you're going to learn what you should be praying for. This is the beauty of it. If you stop praying because God doesn't give you what you want, then you're going to miss out on being able to see that which is best. I found this out with my daughter in New Zealand. I said, she, I shared with you before, she had asthma, really bad asthma. New Zealand's one of the worst places in the world to live because of the mold and the mildew and the amount of the rain is just un- ungodly. And so I, I would hold my little daughter on my lap at night for night after night and she couldn't breathe. And if you want socialized medicine, folks, go to New Zealand and live under it for about six months and then tell me that you want it. You can't even get a nebulized treatment for your daughter because it might be too expensive and only the worst cases get it. Yeah, it's free, but good luck trying to get it. And so I hold her every night and I know all she needs is somebody to to care for her. And I start saying, God, if you don't do something, if you don't provide a miracle, I got to leave this country because I cannot stand this any longer. And I continued to pray night after night after night. And one day when I was praying, God spoke to me and I said, wait, is it audible? No, it wasn't audible. But here's the beauty about praying and developing a relationship with God. When he does speak, you'll notice it. If you just go to him when you're in trouble, he'll speak and you won't, you, you won't even recognize that as his voice. But when you're invested in prayer and relationship in the same way that I can know when Robin's talking to me and what she means by her words, if you've invested in relationship with God, you can know what God is saying to you and he's invested in you and you've invested in him and you hear his voice and it's clear. And I could hear it as it was clear as a bell. God said, you know what, Jeff? I wish you were as concerned with Sion's spiritual health as you were her physical health. And you can talk to my wife. It was from that day forward that I bought a book by John MacArthur called A Faith to Grow On. And I began to read the Bible and theology to my kids every night from that time. And by the way, after I did that, the healing did come. Sion, asthma left. We stayed. But it's amazing how God had to take me through that to get my attention, to help me see what is best. And in the mind of God, your spiritual health is far greater than your physical health. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the second half of The Big Ask. Let's continue now with Pastor Jeff. Jonah experienced the same thing. God called him to preach to Nineveh. He didn't want to go because he didn't like the Ninevites. And he went and he preached and they repented. Now he's really mad at God. So he goes outside the city, sits on a hill and complains and says, God, kill me. I just want to die. Why? The Ninevites repented. (laughs) You're a gracious God. And I knew that. I knew you would forgive them. (laughs) And the Bible says he's sitting there feeling sorry for himself. And the, the sun starts to hit the top of his head and he complains about that. So God causes a vine to grow up over and provide shade. But then God sends a worm to eat the vine and there's no more shade. And Jonah goes back to God, dude, where's my shade? And it's where God teaches Jonah a lesson. Jonah prays for what's really in him. And as he prays for what's in him, God responds. God says, really, 
Is it right for you to be angry about the vine? You didn't plant it, grow it, water it, and yet you're angry. Should you not be concerned with 120,000 souls in Nineveh who do not know their left hand from their right? Should you not be more concerned about them than you are that shade? See, you have to keep praying. You have to keep praying because in that God will show you. And this is the end, but be careful. Be careful that you don't start making excuses for God. Be careful that you don't say, well, you know, God has his reasons and he's going to do what he'll do. So I'm not going to pray. And you know, sometimes God just gives you wisdom, but look, the Bible is clear. There is power in prayer. The greatest revivals that have started has been, have been because of prayer. Healings have come because of prayer. Elijah, God put him in charge of the weather because of prayer. The Bible tells us that the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When you pray, it releases God's divine energy into your life. And who knows what God will do? Don't make excuses for God why he will or will not do something. You just keep knocking. You just keep praying. You just keep hoping and see what God will do. Right? And so, I don't know why I prayed. I, when I was 35 years old, I did kind of a spiritual inventory. And I realized that most of the people, well, actually not most, all the people I had prayed for had died. You don't want me praying for you. <laughs> At least up until 35. Now, since the age of 35, some things have changed. I have prayed for some people and God has done amazing things. I don't know why God chooses to heal sometimes and why sometimes he chooses not to. I'm not God. I don't know. I'm not that smart. But I do know when we get serious about prayer, God will get serious about answering and there, there seems to be a connection between our prayers for the big things and our willingness to invest in relationship with God. Now, stay, this is the end. You need to, need to stay with me. There seems to be a correlation, a connection between our investment in relationship with God and asking for the big things. God is not impressed by prayer bombs when you only go to him when something bad is in your life. He's just not impressed. But the person who's invested in relationship, the Bible says there's such a thing as the gift of faith. And the gift of faith, you'll find it at 1 Corinthians the 12 passage, the listing of the gifts. That gift of faith, I often wondered what it was. It's not the gift of faith in the sense of salvation. There's a gift of that too. This is the gift of the person who is able to recognize the power and awesomeness of God and believes that when they pray, God moves. And it seems to be that those people experience the movement of God. But there's a correlation from an invested relationship and in God's willingness to move and do dynamic, fantastic things. The reason most of us short circuit the power of God is because we don't enter into relationship, but when things go bad, we drop a prayer bomb on God and we want everything to happen. And God says, okay, hold on. Now that I've got you, let's, let's build relationship first and then let's talk about this over here. The reason when we do prayer nights that everybody wants to come and have Pastor Phil pray for them is because they recognize somebody who has the gift of faith, who believes in God, who's invested in relationship with him. So that's the kind of person I want praying for me, don't you? Somebody who has gone before the throne of God so often that it's not a mystery any longer, that it's a relationship. God seeks, God moves. I don't know why. Gloria, my friend in Zimbabwe died. Joyce Yuda died. I don't know why Virus died, a young man in our church that I prayed. I don't know why my mom died at age of 61, but I do know this. 
I prayed hard for a lady named Frida in our church and she beat cancer. I prayed hard for my friend David Jack's wife, Sylvia. I prayed hard for her, and I know she's on the other side of it. I'm still praying for a lady named Jen who's in our church battling it. Fine, I don't know what, why, how. I just know this. If you don't pray, you miss out on the movement of God's hand. But if you do and you persist at prayer, God will move in your life in such a powerful way. In such a powerful way that you will feel like you and God are almost one in the depth of a relationship and intimacy. Just resist the temptation to drop the prayer bombs on God and not invest in relationship, please. Now, just quickly, Tony Campalo's story again goes to the East Coast to preach a sermon and he says it's a Pentecostal church and he says that's okay because I talk so fast they think I'm speaking in tongues. So it all works out. So he says he goes to this church and he's going to preach and he goes in and they ask him to come two hours early. So he kneels down and these elders are praying for him. And he said, you know, these Pentecostals, they pray more than I preach. I was only going to preach for 45 minutes. They wanted to pray for me for two hours. At least it could be equal. And he says, I get down and they all put their hands on me and my bald head, he said, and they're just leaning on me praying and they're not even praying for me. He said, they're praying for some dude named Charlie Stolfus. And they keep asking God to pray and to help him. And it's like they don't think God knows where he lives. Because then the whole prayer, they keep saying, you know, God, Charlie Stolfus, who lives down the road one mile from the church on the right-hand side in a silver trailer. And Campalo just keeps saying, dude, no, God knows where he lives. Get on to praying for me. I'm the one preaching. But two solid hours. Charlie Stolfus, God, please, we pray for Charlie. He's about to leave his wife and kids. God, we need you to move. We need you to move. Please, God, do something. You know, Charlie lives down the road one mile on the right-hand side in a silver trailer. Tony Campalo says, finally it was over. I said, amen. I went and preached. I'm glad it was done. He said, I got in my car and headed home on the Pennsylvania turnpike and I was just driving along and I saw a hitchhiker. So I pulled the car over. Anytime I can get somebody in a confined space to share the message of Jesus, I'm going to do it. So he picked the guy up and they drove for about a minute or two and the guy was silent. And finally, Tony Campalo looked over and said, hello, my name is Tony Campalo. And the guy said, hi, I'm Charlie Stolfus. Tony Campalo just thought about this for a moment. And he looked at him and said, you're about to leave your wife and kids. He said, at that time, Stolfus just plastered himself on the passenger side. And Campalo said, I'm taking you home. He said, you should have seen the look on the guy's face when I pulled in one mile up above the road, a silver trailer on the right-hand side. He looked at me like, how did you know where I lived? And Campalo said, God told me. And God did tell him in that prayer meeting. He said the guy got out of the car, ran up on the front porch. His wife and kids were there in that old silver trailer. They began to hug and weep. Campalo said, I don't know what he said, but I walked onto the porch and I was like, E.F. Hutton, everything I said, they listened to. Now, some of you won't get that, but you older people will. And he said, I walked in and I told them, you're going to stay right here and you're going to heal this marriage. One thing led to the next. And Campalo said, that whole prayer meeting was for me. God was trying to talk to me and do something magnificent. And he said, today, Charlie Stolfuss is in the ministry and a pastor out in Southern California. I hear stories like that and it reminds me, pray, pray, just pray. And let God worry about all the details around the peripherals. Pray, pray, pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And I ask you in Jesus' name right now, you would open our eyes to your truth and you would empower us and give us a new passion to pray, to pray. To know that you are God and when we come before you, you have a heart that's willing to give us every good thing. 
And sometimes when we come and ask, it is good, but perhaps it's not the best thing. And so we come humbly recognizing that you do love us as a father, as a father who is free from any kind of selfishness, a father who loves us unconditionally, a father who truly has our best interest in mind. And even though when we can't see it or understand it, we pray that you would open our eyes. And in our human frailty, that you would forgive us for thinking that we're God or know everything that God knows. Who knows the mind of God? Who can fathom? But we know enough about you to continue to pray. He who loved us that he would not spare his own son. He has made us more than conquerors. And he will indeed give us all good things for those who pray in Jesus' name. So we pray in Jesus' name now to renew our steadfast heart and our passion to come to you in prayer and invest in relationship to see what you will do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of his message, The Big Ask. To catch part one of this message and to hear more from Pastor Jeff, you can head to the Vision Christian Store. That's visionstore.org.au and click on Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.